Alrighty, so let's get started. Hey everyone, so um, thanks for showing up today. Um, so I'm Kaiwen, this is Tom. Uh, we're both two senior tutors at um, Fraser's interview. Tom's the manager of Fraser's interview at the moment. Um, so um, I'm a University of Melbourne uh, medical student and um, Tom's from ANU and we're going to be talking about um, BMP, um, going rural, the advantages and disadvantages of, um, of, of going rural and, and, and picking this as part of your preferences and um, we might also and also just cover some um, basic stuff about applications as well and we, you know, we know that application deadlines are coming in six days and um, you know, we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to ask anything in the chat um, and um, even unmute yourself and ask any questions at all. Okay. Anything else Definitely. you want to say before we get started? No, no. Uh, feel free to flick to the next slide. Tell us about you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm um, an MD3 student um, at the University of Melbourne, as I mentioned. So I'm also a fit lead. Um, I've also, so I've, I'm actually a BMP student myself. So before I got into medical school, I uh, was also wondering the same thing. Um, you know, what is BMP? Didn't really know the differences between that and a CSP spot. Um, and I've sort of had to peruse all these documents and and, and read all the um, the requirements for return of service, which we'll get to in the future, well, in later in the um, in the webinar, and um, sort of realized that it was actually it's actually nothing. It's, it's not really too different to a normal CSP spot. Um, and um, I, I'm here to sort of dispel any myths that anyone might have of uh, that particular program. Um, and um, hopefully um, encourage a few people to also, um, you know, uh, be, get excited about rural medicine as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll introduce myself. So um, my name's Tom Spalding. I'm the manager of Fraser's interview. Um, and I guess uh, I thought I'd, this was mainly going to be Kaiwen's chat today. And uh, last minute I said, Kaiwen, can I jump on this one? Because I, I love this topic. I love talking about rural health and, and rural medicine. I'm also a bonded student. Uh, I currently go to ANU. I'm in my third year, like Kaiwen. Um, and I, I guess, you know, every medical student has their own perspective on the bonded program. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really important to us to get as many people in the room to talk to you about this as a topic um, because people have different perspectives and um, you really want someone who's, you know, in the BMP program to give you sort of insight on it and things like that as well, uh, rather than just someone who's done the research. So, um, yeah, really keen to have a chat with you guys today. I've been doing this for a couple of years now, probably about three or four years. I've been providing application support, interview support, um, and as a company, Fraser's Interview, we've been very successful in getting lots and lots of people through that uh, tough journey of getting into medical school. So uh, if you're with us or if you're not, we're, we're keen to sort of um, have a chat with you today and, and provide you any support we can. Um, and of course, questions are welcome in the chat um, or even afterwards, I'll put my email in the chat and you can email me or the support team. So uh, yeah, Kaiwen, we're ready to get started. Awesome, yeah. So today we're just going to um, talk about uh, a bit about preferencing. Um, we know that um, the application deadlines are in about a week, um, and I'm sure everyone's sort of frantically thinking about what they're preferencing. And and you know you just got your GAMSAT scores back, so congratulations to everyone who got a really good score and is really excited about the next steps in the process. Um, you know I'm a firm believer that um, you know the people that do well in their interviews and get into medical school are the ones that um, prepare early 
And um, from what we've sort of found with Tom and I doing this for a few years, we've sort of realized that about 20% of students are really the ones that start early. Um, and 60% of students start like towards sort of like the later end of the season. And then 20% actually don't even um, uh, prepare at all. Um, so if you're part of that early sort of preparation group, you're putting yourself, sorry, um, you're putting yourself in a really good spot. Um, so it's good that you're thinking about all that. Um, and then we're going to be running through what BMP actually is. So um, going through a bit of the ins and outs of um, sort of like what the program entails, um, whether you should consider it, um, and then maybe some things that you should be thinking about when you're actually um, picking that option, when you're ticking that box in the GEMSAS application, which um, is something that you need to do before you submit your application. And then I guess giving it just our final thoughts on rural medicine and um, sort of what it's like to be in the BMP pathway. So if we just go the next slide. So um, let's actually just go through first what BMP actually is. Um, so um, it's a bonded medical program. Um, that's what BMP stands for. And essentially it's um, the, the way that I like to describe it to people who don't know is it's essentially the same thing as a Commonwealth supported place. So, so, so you get um, pretty much the same benefits with HEX and um but the only difference is that um, within the next 18 years, after you finish your degree, you need to um, give back what's called a return of service, which is um, essentially you need to practice medicine in a rural um, in a rural area of Australia um, for a total of three years. And those three years don't have to be consecutive. They could be split up in any way that you like. You can do six months, you know, five times. You can do one year, three times. Um, but you need to do it in at a place that's um, defined as a rural area of Australia. And the way that a place is defined as a rural area of Australia is by using this thing called the modified Monash model, which is um, dubbed as triple M. Um, and um, that area and, and those areas are sort of classified under sort of disadvantage or that need some additional uh, resources. Um, and um, you need to do your return of service in one of those areas. Now, um, Obviously, there's a lot of considerations when it you know, comes down to um, sort of doing this type of return of service. Um, and sort of we'll get to that a little bit later, but just on the outset, I'd like you to just think about um, like the importance of BMP in the context of like medicine in general. Like we have a lot of areas in the world, not just in Australia, that are disadvantaged with healthcare. And um, they, ha they have lack of resources, lack of doctors, nurses, paramedics that um, go out to areas where people really do need help. And um, this scheme was essentially brought in to um, try to soften the blow in areas that are disadvantaged in Australia to sort of equalize what is a very unequal healthcare system. So um, to actually, um, you know, have an obligation in, you know, like this um, is, you know, like you can look at it in two ways. You can look at it in a good way or a bad way, but um when I was sort of going into it, I sort of thought to myself, this is actually pretty cool because it's essentially Australia's proactive way of, of trying to, um, to bridge that gap between rural and metro medicine. Do you want to say anything about this, Tom? Yeah, yeah, I've got a, a couple points. Um, one is, you know, maybe a little bit of an introduction to the categories you can preference um, within GEMSAS if you haven't heard about it before. So, um, you've got your Commonwealth supported place, which is your typical medical school place. You go to medical school, you get a hex debt, 
and then you pretty much finish your medical degree and your commitment ends with the paying off of your hex debt. And it's pretty simple. It's much like most other university programs in the country that are postgrad um, or, or undergrad as well. You've also got full fee playing places, which um, are quite sparse these days. You mainly have that at Bonded and Macquarie. Um, and these places aren't supported by the Commonwealth um, as medical school places. So yes, you get full accreditation as a doctor and everything like that, and you'll get a full medical degree and you'll get um, the job offer at the end, just like the other medical schools. But where it comes becomes different is, is paying off the degree. So instead of paying off a discounted uh, hex degree, which usually sits around forty to sixty thousand um, dollars, you're more likely going to be paying the undiscounted private fee upfront, um, or as you're doing the program. So uh, that usually sits around one hundred and twenty to up to three hundred thousand, um, you know, depending on the university and the and the nature of it all. So I guess that's that's something to take into account is that's another option. Usually there's less people that select those. So obviously that is an advantage for your application if you're going to select that on uh, different op options and preferences. Um, and then the final one is your BMP. So this is an opportunity to select whether you're willing to go uh, rural once you become a doctor. And there's different levels of categorization. Some universities in the GEMSAS preferencing will simply say, do you want to do a BMP? or do you not want to do a BMP? Some will uh, give you greater degrees of optionality there. So it's like, I would prefer a CSP, but I'm willing to do a BMP, um, or you know, I will only do a CSP. So there's like, there, it depends on the university. They give the GEMSAS different preferences and you get to pick um, based on like a different degree of, of how much you're interested in being rural. And so I would say that, you know, and we'll talk about this later on, I'd say that BMP is a really great advantage to your application. Um, naturally, less people select BMP. There's a lot of stigma around working rurally and that sways a lot of people away. Um, but it can actually be quite rewarding work. And maybe the actual give back period isn't as harsh as maybe you would, might think about going into it. So you think about the mon modified Monash model. Um, and if you're curious, um, I'd really encourage you to go on to a website called Doctors Connect, um, which gives you a really good uh, map with the modified Monash model. So you essentially go on there, you click the drop down menu within the map page, click modified uh, Monash model, and then you can put in any address in the country and it'll tell you if, if it satisfies that model or not. And it'll actually give you a classification as to how rural it is. Um, to meet the, the standards of bond, bonded, uh, you need to have the minimal classification of rural. So it sort of goes like non-rural and then the lowest level of rural and then building up. So, um, you know, maybe that might be helpful for you. I'm happy to put that in the chat, uh, the name of that website again. But yeah, that's a great place to start. And so if you look at things like, um, you know, even like I'm from, I'm in Canberra at the moment at ANU, like just the outskirts of Canberra very close to the city still is still considered like the lowest level of rurality. So it's actually quite forgiving in some places if you're willing to go a little bit out of your way. The other interesting thing with the BMP is that is, um, oh, someone's asked in the chat, is it uh, MM2 to MM7? Yeah, that's correct. So if it's MM1, it's not considered rural enough. Um, and so MM2 is like considered, you know, it's like regional. Um, but what I'm saying is it's quite forgiving with the regionality. So like MM2 is the outskirts of Canberra. Um, 
And so what's really interesting with the modified Monash model is that there are some places, especially if you're willing to go to those really high categorized places, like I think it's MM5 um, and above, they'll actually give you a discount on the amount of time you return. Not a great discount, but if you go somewhere like the Northern Territory or you work with a particularly disadvantaged group, um, you can have about a year taken off this. So it might go to more of like a two years or it might be even half. So it goes to one and a half years. And so uh, just knowing that is that's an option as well down the road if you really wanted to knock it out of the way in, in one bid, if, if maybe rural wasn't for you and you were, you know, you were signed onto this program, that's something you could also do. Um, so there's, there's a little bit of flexibility with the program as well. It's not like, you know, you strictly have to work in a very, very rural place for three years. Um, it's quite flexible with the regionality and there's also discounts available. Uh, you know, outside of that 18 year period, so the 18 year period starts after you graduate, doesn't start when you start your university degree. Um, and so, you know, thinking about your whole medical career, you know, most people will work for 40 to 50 years um, in, a, in a proper medical career. Is three years a lot of that? No, not really, you know, and you could really get some amazing experiences out of it, which we'll talk about later on. But um, yeah, I guess that's some of my perspectives and, and points on here. Uh, and I'm happy to throw in some more things later on. But yeah, how is that? Everybody, I hope that was clear. No, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And um, no, like everything you've mentioned is 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 um, absolutely right. Um, and um, just I wanted to just add a couple of points about um, full fee spots and also CSP spots. Um, when you're um sort of applying for GemSAS and at, like through GemSAS and you're ticking those boxes, um, well, first off, make sure to read exactly what what the options say. Um, you know, I've had students in the past just um skim it and then um make mistakes um secondly if you tick bmp if you're just thinking about like the weight of numbers with regards to how many spots are allocated to which specific fee place you're essentially opening up a whole new range of um sort of medical spots that you can get into so you're broadening your horizons when you're actually doing your application um and um as tom has mentioned yeah bmp is not actually that scary there's um a lot of ways that you can um cut down that um you know those three years if rules not for you but there's also a lot of benefits like for example you know oftentimes to specialize these days you pretty much have to go rural um for a lot of specialties it looks really good on your resume if you work rurally especially for surgery and i know maybe there's some budding surgeons out there in the chat um and um you know if you have to do a return of service it sort of allows you to tick those boxes anyway so it's sort of a benefit for you it's something that you're going to have to do regardless um, it also gives you a really good opportunity to sort of like learn independently in these sort of lower um, and um, sort of disadvantaged areas, I guess. Um, um, there's a lot more independence that you can um, sort of take when you, um, if you're one of the few doctors that are there, and you can, it serves you really well the rest of your career. Um, so, um, but, you know, obviously that, you know, those are, those are advantages, but there are also plenty of disadvantages as well that we'll also run through later. Um, other than that, um, the last thing I just wanted to say about full fee positions. Um, so um, one other university that does offer full fee positions is the University of Melbourne. Um, and um, that, um, so, and, and the fees for that um, would be around about $360,000 for your entire degree. Um, if anyone was wondering about like the specific figure, 
Um, obviously that changes for other universities like Bond and Macquarie, for example. Um, but um, when you're also, if you're applying for the University of Melbourne, it's a common university for a lot of students to apply to, just make sure that you um, sort of read that and, um, you know, have maybe a sort of a bit of a reflection and a discussion as to whether that might be right for you as well. Um, as the University of Melbourne does offer a certain number of spots for full fee um, as, as full fee places in addition to their BNP and CSP spots. Um, yeah, so that's, yep, go ahead. Answer some of these questions in the chat. I, and I second you, I second uh, what you've said there, Carmen, especially, I mean, it's something I thought about only recently that I, I didn't think about when I first selected, but it's actually, it's something you might even have to do or choose to do later on. Um, is like if you want to go into a competitive specialty, there are so many applications that like require or really give you a massive advantage if you've worked in that rural area. So you may like there may be multiple fruits that come out of this as well uh, down the line that you're not considering now because you know everybody's tunneled on just getting in medicine, but there's so much more. Um, so some people have asked some great questions in the chat, some really valid things. So one person has asked. Um, Oh, so someone has secondarily asked about interning and how that works with the BMP. So interestingly, I think only a part of the BMP return of service period can be used pre-specialty training. So I think it's about one year and then you need to give two of those three years after you've done the specialty training. Mm. Um, and so that makes it challenging. Like you can't just knock the three years out of the way as soon as you graduate. You actually got to be a little bit more... Um, clear about how you want to do it and if you don't end up doing specialty training and you become like a CMO which is uh, basically a doctor that has passed intern year but has decided not to specialize in any particular specialty and you're sort of like a hospital support doctor um, then I think you get to like year 12 and the BMP will send you an email and say how you're going with things and it's about year 12 where they allow you to do the three years unspecialized you have to get to year 12 um, without doing that. Mm. I think uh, a second point, uh, a second, so like just in summary there, um, there you, have to, you have to have part of that uh, like return of service period post actually specialising or actually doing further training. Um, so that's something to note. If we, uh, so someone's asked, if we choose not to participate before the census date of the second year of medicine do we not have to comply is that right um i'm not sure if i'm reading your question right but it's not like an option while you're in medical school it's essentially when you get your medical school offer in the emails um in around january december uh or sorry even november uh it will say in the email this is a bonded medical place do you accept or not accept there's no optionality about it and so if you accept the bonded medical place, like you sign the dotted line right then and there. Um, and if you don't accept it, then, um, you know, you don't accept the medical offer full stop. And I think that that's something to note as well is like, you know, it the pretty much the commitment happens the moment you put it into the preferences in GEMSAS in about six days. Mm. Um, so if you get if you get an offer with that, then that's something to know. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure how to answer this question. Yeah. So um, maybe you would know. So if you're under a defense university uh, scholarship and you're working in a rural area, is that counted towards a rural return of service? I think so, yes. Um, I, I was also looking at that at one point in my career. 
I think, uh, yeah, it's it's it does count, but you've got to be in a rural area and you can't be overseas in a rural area. It's got to be in Australia. I just want to actually just put a bit of cold water on this question because I think this is a question I get asked a lot, but can putting BMP preferences over CSP increase the likelihood of an offer? The answer is no um, for that um, because... Um, you opt in to specific fee places, but it doesn't mean that opting into one over the other, it doesn't mean that it actually increases your odds because one is less popular. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Do you want to say more about that, Tom? Sorry, sorry if that was a bad explanation. <laughs> I'm not sure if I agree. I think I think it does give an advantage in somewhat, um, but only if less than 33% of people are selecting it. So. You, um, in medical school, in any medical school in the country, if you look at any cohort, 33% will have BMP offers. That's just how it works, right? Um, that's what the policy states. And so if less than 33% of applicants have selected BMP that year, then it is definitely advantage because they've got to go and then select from a smaller pool. Um, whether it is a massive advantage, I don't know. I don't think so. I think, you know, working on your grades and GAMSAT and interview is going to be much more valuable. But BMP is, is a tool and um, it will help you in your career after you get into medical school. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there is some advantage unless unless something's changed, Kaiwen, that I'm not aware of. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, do universities automatically offer you CSP before BMP if you have ticked both on GEMSAS, providing that you're eligible for both? Um, I believe that um, GEMSAS will uh, sort of allocate you to um, a fee place depending on like where you rank and they'll obviously rank your, well, CSP is ranked higher than BNP. Um, so in that case, if your scores are better overall, including what you get on the interview, you'll be offered a CSP place. But if um, if you're not as you know part of that percentage, then you'll be offered whatever next place is best, which is BNP, if you have ticked the box for it. So like essentially if you had not ticked BMP and you still got an offer, you would get the CSP if you, as if you'd ticked both, right? So like um, if you're at the top, top 66% of the final list of people they choose to accept um, and you select both CSP and BMP, they're going to give you the CSP. Um, whereas if you are in the bottom 33% and you select CSP and BMP, then you'll get BMP. If you if you've not select selected BMP, there's a chance you won't get the offer. That's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope that's, that's clear. There was one question we missed higher up. Yeah. That was um, something like for deciding your preferences, how much does school ranking matter to your future career? Or is there any differences? So um, school ranking. Um, Oh, I think maybe they're referring to like different qualities of different medical schools. And I would say not. Um, once you get into medical school, people aren't really concerned much about um, the credibility of medical schools because they're all accredited by the same body. And if you meet any doctor or intern these days, they don't go around talking about what medical school they went to. In fact, it's really something that is not discussed once you become a doctor in Australia, at least. Um, and so I would say it doesn't affect your career chances at all, which school you go to. Um, and so you should make that decision more about, you know, where you'd be comfortable going to university, where your support system is, where you're competitive for, things like that. 
Exactly. Yeah. What's right. next? Do you want to answer the next one, Kermit? Um, just seeing. Uh, so yeah, for a full fee place, can you use hex for any of it? Um, or do you have to pay it all up front? So there is um sort of a program that you can use. Um, I think it's called Fee Help, um, which you can use for full fee places, but there's a specific cap that you can um where um you can only get um sort of uh you can only get specific a specific amount of a loan. Um, I think it's I think Tom said here it's about 160,000. Um, it might be a little bit more than that. Um, from a few friends that I know that are actually um, doing full fee at the University of Melbourne, and um, the rest you have to pay up front, and then they sort of you have to pay essentially like the fee every single year. Um, and then I'm not sure how fee help sort of gets uh, sort of like gets paid back. Uh, I'm not sure if it comes out of your uh, pay later on, like what Hex does, um, but um, you, you'd have to pay that back after your degree. Do, do you have more information about that, Tom? Uh, fee help would be something to investigate. Uh, I think you'd, I'd be wary of interest rates and things like that because Hex is obviously pretty good, but uh, further schemes and things like that, just, you, you would want to check. Um, I remember specifically back in the time, because I think every medical applicant goes through the phase where maybe they Google bond how much it costs and like, <laughs> you know, what the options are with bond. And I remember thinking that it wasn't a great deal um, in turn, if you, if you can't obviously afford the, the a big amount up front. and bond actually had beyond the fee help and beyond hex, they had their own program within the university that was like a, like a loan. Um, and I remember thinking it was only like a fraction of what it costs. So, um, something to really consider about fee help um, and and like whether you want to whether you want to go down that path, nothing against it. nobody nobody will care in the end about whether you you did the full fee paying place or BMP or CSP. Um, it's just a matter of what works better for you competitively and things like that. Yeah. hope that helps guys. Yeah. Um, since this is not related, but I was just wondering if I need an exceptionally good GAMSAT score if my GPA is not very good and would applying for BMP increase my chances of getting in? Answer that one, Tom. I think it would. I think it would. And and the thing is, um, with the with the six lower sixes, I think that that's something you want to do well in in GAMSAT. So, like I would be saying, low sixes, you know, above seventy average for GAMSAT. Um, is is where I'd be aiming. Um, people have gotten in with less, but that's just like that's where the pulse is at the moment. I feel like with with GAMSAT and GPA, and it also depends on the university you're going to as well. Um, is there any other questions in the chat here we've missed? Missed? I know there was a lot that went in here. Um, no, there's some that I got through through DM. So in terms of referencing preferencing, I'm assuming a medical schools. I'm a rural applicant with a high GPA. But a lower GAMSAT. Are there universities that are more favorable for rural students with these scores? Um, yeah, that well, there are some universities out there that do um, prefer to take rural students. So we're talking about the University of Wollongong here, um, primarily, um, and they um, have a more extensive process in in sort of filtering students out. And rural um, and coming from a rural background actually does go a long way in your application and definitely increases your chances of getting in. Um, 
so uh, that that's probably my best um, sort of advice for you with regards to preferencing. If that's if you're looking to towards getting to a school that looks more towards the rurality aspect of things, um, does Notre Dame do the same thing, Tom, or um, is it really just Wollongong? Uh, sorry, I, I've got to admit I wasn't listening. Then what you said, um, what was it? Um, so does um, other than Wollongong, um, what other universities sort of preference um, rural applicants? Oh, Deakin actually. Oh, yeah, Wollongong, Deakin. I would say ANU. Um, yeah. ANU. Outside of that, I don't know. I think they all offer bonuses, hmm. but there are some universities that just have that in their vibe, and it's also going to help you a lot in your interview if you can have that strong rural approach as well um, and a rural background. Um, so that's something to note as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Any other DMs you got? Yeah, I've got quite a few actually. So could you please clarify the first sentence of the slide stating that, BM that the BMP scheme is closed to applicants since 2019? Um, so that was that particular revision of the BMP scheme. It's a new revision now, which you'll have to sign. That's the only difference. Um, uh, so, so in 2019, um, it changed from one year to three years, mm. I believe. And yep. so uh, there are people who are currently signed on to the bonded program that are just about finishing medical school now that are BMP, but they only have to do the one year. Whereas everybody after that um, year who started medical school has to do three years. And that's how it will be for the foreseeable future unless the policy changes again. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that's, that's made it clear. Yep. Um, perhaps places that use GPA more and prioritize real applicants. Again, I'm not sure what that means. Um, so also I, I got another question that's a little bit more unrelated. It's also unrelated. How common is it to get an offer at a school that you didn't interview at? That's, that's actually a pretty good question. It is pretty relevant. I wanted to put a more competitive uni as my first preference, but I'm worried that if I don't get in, um, uh, nowhere else will consider it. I do know students who have interviewed um, at the University of Melbourne, and then they got offers at Deakin. Um, and, and multiple people in my cohort who got in um, had that. Um, in terms of how it works with regards to interviewing at like a less competitive university and getting into a more competitive university, I don't think, I've never heard of that before. Um, Tom, have you, have you ever heard of that? Um, I know people who literally in my cohort who interviewed at Notre Dame and then obviously got in at ANU. And I would say that ANU is more competitive than Notre Dame. Mm. Probably a little bit biased, but, um, you know, that's a prime example of that. And they had Notre Dame higher on their list. So, yes, it, it can and will happen. And it's because the, a lot of these interviews are standardised and they share the scores between the universities through CHAMSAS. Um, someone would like to know what they think, what, what we think of Bond University and um, if it's something that we would recommend. <laughs> Interesting I, would I mean, like, yeah, if you could afford it and you want to, like, great location on the, like, at the Gold Coast, um, quicker degree. So I think it's three and a half years or like maybe it's four years, but undergrad. Um, it's just, it just seems like a really great, like cool deal. If you can afford it, like definitely do it. Um, you know, and then you meet doctors who are, who did go to bond and they're just as good as everyone else. And, um, 
you know, I guess they've got an extra year up their sleeve. But yeah, uh, you know, if you if you had between that and maybe another place where it's like hex, you know, there's a clear difference there in pricing. So you just got to weigh that up against your personal values and what you want to do. Mm. Yeah, in terms of Bond, I think, um, yeah, I, I know a lot of um, doctors who have been to Bond and uh, are working at tertiary hospitals here in Melbourne and um, also have a few friends who also went to Bond. And yeah, they've actually had glowing references. They've said it's a really great place to study. It just depends on if you can afford it. Um, so someone said, so what would you suggest with preferences? And it's a great question because I do have an answer for it. Um, I would suggest there should be a few key values when you're thinking about your preferences. One is think about where do you currently live and what is the feasibility of you moving to another city? And there's lots of things that go into this, your financial circumstances. Um, a big part of it is support systems. If you've got a huge friendship group or a huge group of family that currently support you um, in where you are, whether it be financially, emotionally, whatever, that's going to go into the decision. Um, I do not believe the credibility of a university should factor into the into the decision that's my opinion um i just don't think it, that doctors or people in the workforce care about which school you went to once you get to the end of the line um the ultimate suggestion is that you should pick first your dream school um, regardless of how competitive it is just pick where you'd want to go number one and most people will pick this as like the best um university in the location where they want to go um, and so then the next one I usually say is like a really um, good school that you're competitive at um, and that you, you know, you'd be a shoe in maybe you look at the bonuses and you think, oh, I like those bonuses are really going to suit me. So maybe you did your undergrad at EQ and you did uh, an honours project and you've got a really amazing um, honours bonus at EQ that not many other people get access to. So that would probably be number two because a really safe school, maybe you've got good scores, things like that. The third one would be the, the least difficult one in the location you want to go. Okay, so if you're thinking somewhere like, um, let me say, let me say Melbourne, I would probably go Deacon over Uni Melbourne because you'd be up against people like Kai Wen who are just absolute bosses. And, um, and I think, I guess the first three are really important after that put in what you want, like put something cool in there, like everything that you maybe didn't include in the ones above that you think are cool. Always do, do uh, University of Sydney on the side, definitely important. Always do Flinders on the side um, because these, you know, why not give yourself extra preferences if you can in the long run? So that, that's my broad advice. It's subject to my own opinion and um, I hope it helps. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so um, we had a question here about how, um, uh, well, like whether universities in general uh, prioritize rural students overall. And my answer to that is, well, um, if you are a rural applicant, it is, um, it's not a secret that you do just get bonuses everywhere. Um, no matter which university you go to, it just depends on like the percentage of bonus that you get. And some universities do like rural students more just because of their program. and sort of how they sort of choose to teach their medicine in a more sort of rural lens. Like for example, Wollongong. Um, regarding Flinders, so for a non-Flinders graduate, the GPA hurdle rate 
they seem to advertise fairly widely as 78. If sorry, that's a that has to be a GAMSAT hurdle rate. That can't that's because that's not a GPA score. If any one of us, if any of us have a GAMSAT below this, is it um is there really much value in applying to Flinders? So um so remember so actually just one piece of advice that I'm just gonna give everyone here that I think um is something that I was told as well when because when I first applied to medical school, I didn't apply for USID or Flinders. And um, I was told by all my friends that you're just an idiot doing that because um, you're, you, you, if you really want to get into medical school and um, I, was I was in sort of a boat where I was happy to pretty much go anywhere um, and you sort of um, shut off your options if you don't just even put your hat in the ring for things like Flinders, for universities like Flinders and, and Sydney um, because they're separate to GEMSAS. So um, make sure that you do your own research on uh, Flinders and and University of Sydney applications, which I'm pretty sure we'll also be doing webinars for in the future. Um, my experience with Flinders was that, um, so I am, so if I just like sort of walk you through my story. So, so I applied for all three in 2021, sorry, 2020, sorry. Um, and then um, the GEMSAS offers um, hadn't even come out yet, but Flinders did their interviews uh, and started their interviews prior to pretty much any of the GEMSAS offers coming out. And my GAMSAT score was was not over the 78 hurdle. I was just below. Um, so I actually, I didn't get an interview um, at Flinders, but then months later, after I'd received um, a offer for the University of Sydney and after I'd done my GEMSAS interview, I actually got an, inter I got an interview offer from Flinders um, saying that they're just doing second round interviews. So, um, you know, had I not gotten a USIT offer and had I not performed well on my GEMSAS interview, um, I would have actually had another opportunity at Flinders through a second round um, interview offer. So my, um, so my advice is um, even if you're below the threshold, it's always worthwhile to put your, uh, to, to sort of throw your hat in the ring because you can get that sort of second round interview offer. And I believe they also did third rounds during that year too. Um, because usually what happens is, um, and this, this is specific for USIT and Flinders, um, is you'll have sort of a rush of um, sort of, uh, everyone in the first round will get an offer and the score will be like super high, like the cutoff will be crazy. And then um, everyone will do GEMSAS and then get their interview offers there probably. And then like the, the high scoring students will get into the universities that they want to get into through GEMSAS and then they'll start rejecting the Sydney offers and the Flinders offers. And then what happened what happens from there is they'll release second round offers and third round offers and fourth round offers until all those spots are filled. So you're actually sort of pretty much always in the game uh, with Sydney and Flinders. Um, and I know um, a very close friend of mine who's actually studying in the University of Sydney right now, he got a third round offer to study in Sydney pretty much like two weeks before med started. So um, it, it happens. So um, if you're in that position where you uh, want to get into medical school, you don't mind where you go, throw your hat in the ring and um, make sure that you have all your bases covered, apply for everything. Um, so that's that's my best advice that I can give you guys with that. Cool. All right, we might need to move on soon, but uh, Carwin, did you want to take that next question? Yes, yes. So I'll, yeah, I'm just going to switch the slides because I think this is a really interesting topic to discuss after this about advantages and disadvantages. But um, the next question was, how can you guys give me advice on how to increase my GAMSAT scores into the 70s? I'm honestly terrified of GAMSAT right now, since everything depends on it for me at this point. So 
Um, look, I think I think with increasing scores, and this is just in general, and this is like a general concept that I always um, sort of say to, to people who are wanting to improve their interview scores as well. So obviously like practicing and um, like having the right prep is really important. Um, and I always sort of use the phrase, um, you know, don't leave any stone unturned. You know, if you want something really badly and you really want to put all your effort into it, you should be searching for any way to improve. But it's not just about having all the resources, it's also having um, sort of reflecting on yourself as to, as to what works for you, how things might have panned out for you and what went wrong in your prep before and changing that because doing the same thing over and over again would just be just not the right thing to do. So um, look for prep courses. You know, Fraser obviously has a fantastic game set course that, um, you know, that we offer um, that can definitely assist with that, with, with resources. But ultimately it comes back to how you prepare and reflecting on your process and fixing that process to something that actually shows results along the way and be empirical with how you improve which is pretty much how we do the same thing in our fit course as well um, where we um, are very analytical with all of our students um, so that we can essentially show them their progression from start to finish and show them that they have improved so do you want to speak about that a little bit more tom uh yeah, I guess generally is like if we're talking just about like preparing and things like that, um, we'd love to help you do it. Of course, um, we've we've got a, a huge tutor bank, three hundred across the country, um, and they're all medical students and doctors, so people who have done exactly what you're trying to do right now. So, um, not only are we able to give you that analytical support as Carmen has talked about, but we can back it up with experience and knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, that said. I, I think, um, you know, bringing it to the BMP and, and talking about all of that, um, I, think, I think the main things to think about in the long term is what three years is worth to you um, in a 50-year career and thinking about some of the amazing experiences you can get out there. I, I think, like, you know, as you go through medical school, the medical schools will put you in little rural placements and they really do try and make it seem like an amazing like they really do wine and dine you as you may um like i every year we do like a school camp to a rural location and they put so much effort it's usually like um the country women women's association or people in those communities they put in a lot of effort to make sure that medical students are welcomed um and I would go as far to say as if you were to go and work in a rural area, you would be cherished by that community um, and you would be able to do amazing work. Um, so in terms of making a difference, if, if you're getting into medical school to help other people and, and have huge impacts on people's lives, there's no better place to do it than in a rural area where you are the only doctor or you are one of very few doctors who are able to actually connect with these people. Whereas in a city, you're one of hundreds of doctors that maybe connect with a patient throughout their whole journey. And so um, ultimately there's a hugely powerful thing about going down that rural pathway and having a go. Um, and if you get to do it for three years at a, at a very minimum, that's going to be an amazing experience for you. Um, and so I guess that's my opinion. Now I've gotten it all out in the, in the open, Kylie. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to talk um, a little bit more about like sort of, 
yeah, pretty much following on from what you're saying about the advantages and, and disadvantages of, of um, BMP. And then I guess, to be honest, um, this this slide's actually pretty beneficial just for anyone who might get a rural health question on an, on an interview, for example, because you might have to talk about disadvantages and advantages when it comes to, um, you know, uh, why you would go rurally in a medical interview. And um, exactly what Tom was saying about opportunity is like really the first thing that comes into my mind. Um, just um, echoing the same sentiment. Um, I have a had a, a friend last year who was doing um, uh, their placement in um, Bendigo in um, in Melbourne, which is a rural area. And um, essentially, um, in, at her hospital, um, she had a lot more opportunities to do things like cannulas, which is essentially like inserting a little. Um, sort of plastic thing into a person's vein to take blood um, and in uh, in my metro hospital I had um, much fewer opportunities she was pretty much able to do it every single day I was able to do it like maybe one a week so you get proficient with things that um, with with um, a lot of these small skills that um, you know we take for granted in medicine um, and, I, and it goes a really long way um, with your own career progression in the future and your knowledge um, in addition um, you know, you, you can build a lot more rapport with smaller communities. You see the same patients over and over again. And when you see them over and over again, you get to learn their stories. You get to know them as people. And when you, and, and when you, when you do that in medicine, you, you sort of um, like you can treat them with a more personal touch and they feel like you've really taken into account their entire sort of um, holistic, well, sorry, their, their whole well-being in, into consideration. And um, you're treating them in a holistic manner. And um, that that's also huge. Um, you know, it, it also is beneficial for yourself because, you know, it looks good on your resume. So that's obviously something, you know, that you can consider. But, you know, um, thinking about disadvantages, um, you know, I completely understand that there's also like a support um, in rural areas for yourself. You know, you might feel really overwhelmed. Um, your family might be, um, you know, in a metro area and you just can't really afford to go rurally. Um, similarly, I, I know that a lot of people in my cohort, they want to start families pretty much right out of medical school and they're planning on having kids and moving uh, away from that family to work um, is, is challenging and uh, it might be really difficult um, to make that decision later and it might cause a lot of tension. Um, so three years also, you know, it, you know, like I'm trying to sort of tell you guys that it, it actually, it isn't that much because it's three, three years in an 18 year window, which is, you know, you can do six months, five times, you know, it's actually not that much, but, you know, sometimes with the way life pans out, sometimes it just doesn't sort of work that way. Sometimes three years is actually just maybe just too long. Um, and um, I think these are sort of personal considerations that you need to think about for yourself and why people don't pick BMP is, is because of it's, it's because of these reasons really. Um, so um, my, my ultimate preference is I, I think BMP is a wonderful program. I obviously um, was happy to take it because I can, I, I believe in the benefits um, and um, I think that it's, that it, it pretty much is the same as CSP like in my mind, just because of the, just because of the fact that you're pretty much going to have to work really. And I want to be a surgeon. So like, you know, um, I'm, pro I'm probably going to have to like work really regardless. Um, you know, to me, it's nothing, but um, you know, it differs from person to person. So it is a consideration that you need to make before you put your preferences in. Yeah. I think um, that we had an interesting question in the chat, which um, isn't something that we talk about. Uh, sorry. 
it isn't something we talk about enough as we're going into medical school. I think a lot of people are scared to talk about it because it sounds like, oh, there might be stigma about talking about earnings. But uh, someone's asked if going rural and doing the BMP will affect your potential earning as compared to people who might apply for rural positions that aren't part of the BMP program. The answer is no. You have the same job offer. You get the same earnings as the people who are going into the rural program um, that were in the CSP or anything. In fact, I don't even think the practice you work at, work at or, the, or the employer will actually know you're on the BMP. Um, right. You just need to provide evidence to the uh, BMP body that you have worked there through a payslip or whatever um, to show that you've worked there over that period of time. Um, further to that, you know, an interesting extension of that question is also uh, the BMP versus CSP in terms of potential earnings. And I would say that the difference is negligible in the long term um, because, you know, it, and it might like depends on how you build your career around it. Obviously, if you're someone like Kai Wen, who's going to go hard for surgery, if the difference between going rural and not going rural is the thing that gets him into that surgical training, then of course it's going to have a huge effect on his earnings and will probably have a very positive effect. Um, but in terms of like, you know, longevity and things like that, you know, if you're going somewhere and you want to go somewhere and you're trying to decide if you should take three years out of that pathway to go rural or not, I don't think, I think the difference is negligible. Mm. Um, also just, um, just talking about money, uh, just because I, it is a common question that does come up, you know, and it is probably something that we need to remove the stigma of talking about before medical school, um, you know, often and, and, um, once again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I've also heard um, that, uh, I've, and I've actually been told that, you know, oftentimes going into rural areas, you do get uh, bonuses with your pay um, because of, you know, you're helping out, of, you know, like disadvantaged programs and, and um, you know, th th there is actually scope for you to earn a little bit more um, if you're able to go to those areas, um, especially ones that are lower in sort of advantage. And we're talking like MM5 to 7. Um, and... Uh, I guess sort of like the last thing I also want to say about this program is also um, one thing that um, a common question that I got from a lot of students that got into the course, and this is probably something that you're not even you're not even thinking about, but uh, BMP students sometimes you get put in rural hospitals, um, uh, you know, and some people actually have asked me the question, you know, if I pick BMP, would I be put into a rural hospital? Will I have to do my placements rurally in medical school? You know, I want to be close to my family. Is that going to affect my course? If you do medical school in a rural hospital, doesn't change anything. Like it, it, everyone will graduate with the same degree, with the same knowledge, um, and you, prob you probably will actually be a bit more proficient at um, a lot of soft skills that um, me uh, metropolitan students won't have the opportunity to do. Like for example, cannulas, um, just because you're able to do it so often. Um, so there is actually no difference. You're not being disadvantaged by picking this program. I would say I frequently forget that I'm actually in the BMP program. Like it is such a, like I, I signed something on like my second week of university and uh, to this day, like it hasn't changed anything about my whole journey. I know it will eventually, but um, my medical experience has been no different to my colleagues. Um, and so that's a, an interesting note as well. One other thing I, I was going to say before, but I forgot about um, I still I vividly remember on my first week of my hospital rotations in year three, um, going into Canberra Hospital and uh, 
a lumbar puncture was being taken place. And it's, and it's like, a, it's, it happens fairly commonly, but it's, you know, not as common so, of some of the other things. And I remember going into that room and the doctor's common, like the commentary about how, you know, a skill like that, there is usually a line of seven doctors to learn how to do that skill, right? Um, in a metropolitan area. So if you're an intern and you want to learn how to do a lumbar puncture and you're in a metropolitan area, you may be waiting until you're a registrar before you actually like get a chance to have a go with it. Whereas if you're in a rural area, there's only one person between you and the patient um, that needs to know how to do it. And they may very well be sick that day. So, um, you know, there is a chance that like having that rural background, especially in intern years and things like that, is like Kywin said, going to get you a lot more of those soft skills um, and reduce the amount of people between you and the skill um, and learning that. So yeah, that's an interesting anecdote for you all, but maybe we can move on to the next slide, Kywin. All right. So um, yeah, so we've sort of well, pretty much covered this um, already. Uh, so we've just set our opinions on 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 whether we would um, apply for BMP or not. So just remember that it, it does open up a whole host of new medical um, sort of spots for you um, at different institutions. Um, in my opinion, the, the advantages do outweigh the disadvantages. There's really no difference um, and uh, it doesn't disadvantage you at all. Um, but if there's anything that... Um, if, if there's any additional questions that you might have, um, two good um, sort of uh, resources that you can check. Well, you, you definitely email us at Phrases, um, which is which um, I'm sure we'll provide you with our email. And also, you can also um, always um, email GemSAS as well, um, just about um, you know if you're having any questions about BMP and um, taking the CSP and uh, CSP BMP and full fee positions. Um, so. Um, do you have any other sort of last tips, Tom, about preferencing that, that you want to just mention? No, um, not really. Uh, if you're obviously one of our student, one of our students, you have access to the applications portal. And just a note that that's not just for written applications. You can also put in your GEMSAS preferences into there. And um, there's also a survey which will give the application reviewers context about you know, your background and it will give them an ability to give you advice about the preferences you've selected. So that's available to you in the applications portal. I just wanted to throw that out as much as I can. Um, someone's quickly said in here, sorry if it's off topic, but what's the difference between Notre Dame, Sydney and Fremantle? Uh, obviously geographics is the main difference, but uh, I think less people are selecting Fremantle. So it's probably a little less competitive than Sydney. Um, uh, but maybe there's slightly less places in Fremantle, but proportionately there's, I'd say it's less competitive, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. And then we just got a couple of slides here just about um, succeeding in your medical interview. So um, as I've mentioned before, um, you know, if you prepare early, um, you have a higher chance of getting a good score, um, being more prepared on the day um, and showcasing yourself in the best way possible. Um, and, uh, you know, as, as I sort of mentioned, for anyone who, did, who wasn't there at the start of the, of the, of the webinar, 20% of students overall do start their preparation early and the rest of the 80% do other things, like 60% of them will um, start late and 20% won't study at all. Um, so um, think about um, what the most important questions are early. Try to think about how you would phrase, how, how, how you would phrase your question in the most authentic way to yourself early. 
And then when you start your prep, come in with something already prepared so that it's just about fine tuning and getting the feedback that you need in order to improve. Um, and be empirical with your with your prep. Um, evaluate yourself. Don't always look for um, you know, just your family and friends to give you feedback because they might not be as harsh, but really being a bit harsh is actually probably what you need um, because it's, um, you know, with an interview as high stakes as this, you just want to improve and take the feedback in as much as you can. Um, what um, um, Tom has a, a lot more that he can sort of speak on about this. Do you, do you have any other small things that you'd like to say about our interview program and and how to succeed. Uh, I think I wrote these tips. Um, these are great tips for um, you know anybody that's thinking about their interview prep early. Um, maybe add add diversity to your to your preparation strategies is a, is a key thing here. A lot of people think it's just, hey, um, can you like go and prepare with one mate and that same mate over and over again, just do practice questions. That's not how you should prepare for your interview. Um, I specifically remember preparing for my interview. Uh, before I signed on to the Fraser's course in the first place. And looking back, especially with everything I know now, I know how flawed of a process that was because one guy would say one thing and we two people would listen and we'd both be like, oh, yeah, that's really good. You're doing really well. Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, I would have a go. And then they'd go, oh, yeah, that's really good. Don't worry. And then you go around, everybody's just complimenting each other. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there's little bits of feedback here and there, but you really need someone who's objectively going to look at this and say, all right, is this just a bit of fluff? Like, are you saying it truthfully? Is it, has, is there depth to it? Have you justified yourself? How clear are you being? Uh, these are the key things um, that make an interview great. And so um, I guess that's what our interview course offers with our diversity of tutors, the people who've actually done an interview before and been successful. And so we'd really love to have as many people on as possible um, and yeah, feel free to email us, even if you have questions or you're considering joining the course as well. For sure. Yeah, that's cool. So that's um, pretty much all we have to, um, to um, sort of discuss today. Um, did you, uh, Tom, did you want to leave um, sort of an email? Oh, is there an email? Yeah. That we can yeah. Um, well, yeah, awesome. Um, and yeah, like we'll leave an email for, uh, for you guys so that um, if you have any questions, please feel free to direct it to us. Um, I'm actually happy to stay back for another like five or 10 minutes just to answer questions in the chat. If anyone wants to um, sort of ask any questions um, and even unmute yourself and, and ask, um, I'm happy to, uh, yeah, I'm happy to just kick on for another, you know, five or 10 minutes before I get, have to go and do some more work. <laughs> Yeah, I hope it was, yeah, I mean, Carmen, you're so busy right now, man. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like, it, yeah. Um, I'm just putting all the emails in the chat. Carmen, you're welcome to put yours yes, in there. You don't have to. Yeah. I know you're uh, smashed at the moment with things. Um, but yeah, I hope it was helpful for everyone. It's good to, it's good to like have a chat with someone that knows what's going on. Um, even now, as I'm starting to look at the, the next stage of my career, like, you know, what, what is the pathway within medicine? Um, you'll find that this is a constant thing as you go through your journey in medicine is always looking at, all right, who's the next person who's been done what I'm doing right now. That's the best advice. So right now I'm talking to interns who I see on placement and asking them, you know, what were you doing in the last two years of your medical degree? Like, how did you make the most of it? Um, what experiences do you think are most valuable? Um, how do I, 
you know, should I be going into state for my placements or should I stay in ACT? Like these are all questions that I'm asking at the moment of interns. And so you'll find that as you go through your career, you're always asking the person who has done it, who was a couple steps ahead of you, how they got there. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for joining us on the journey and, and thanks for taking up that philosophy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for everyone joining. Um, I'm going to stop the recording now um, and then um, 